Hello, this week we'll be in Daniel chapter 4. Each chapter in Daniel, it seems um, that you kind of wish that we were in class where we could discuss it. And I think even more so with this one. There's just a, a lot of material. I think the, the message is very contemporary considering things that we're going through right now with the COVID-19 virus, um, even the, the protests that are going on all over the country, that it really has a message to us as individuals, as a church, as a denomination, as a state, and even our nation. So before we read the passage, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I just thank you for your word. And as we look at this passage, this account of events over 2,000 years ago, that we can just see that even now we face some of the same temptations that Nebuchadnezzar faced, that we want to elevate ourselves, our pride gets in our way, that our pride is sinful, that you're the one who raises up rulers and nations, and that to you alone should all of our praise and glory belong. God, open our hearts and our minds that we would gain an understanding of in, through this passage. May your Holy Spirit move us to look into our lives and see those things for which we need to repent, those, those things we need to turn from and return to you. Not for any boasting that we may do, but that you would receive the glory in everything that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty are His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. You can double-check the uh, reading of that first verse, different translations. See what yours says. I didn't misread it, I promise you. King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages. Kind of a, a surprise, but this account, chapter 4, is actually written by Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel's fully aware, aware of the events that happened, and maybe he, uh, maybe he penned it for Nebuchadnezzar or took some of Nebuchadnezzar's writings and, and, 
and included them in, in his book uh, written to the Jewish exiles in, in Babylon. Actually, when Daniel's writing to the, in the, in the empire of the Medes and Persians. But Nebuchadnezzar, a Gentile, a pagan, is, is writing these things. He begins at the end. And I know you're familiar with that, that uh, mode or uh, method. Many TV shows will begin with, with showing you some things happening, some action that the, that the characters are involved in, and then it'll, it'll, it'll flash, and at the bottom of the screen it'll, it'll say one week earlier or one year earlier, something to that effect. In this case, Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to learn later, is, is recalling events that happened probably eight years prior to, to the conclusion uh, in, of chapter 4. So Nebuchadnezzar's writing, speaking to all of the peoples, nations, and languages. Very similar to what he had decreed back in chapter 3 when he had decreed that everyone in come and, and worship this image that he has set up. He's sending out a, an, an invitation much like that one to all the peoples and nations and languages, to, to, to everyone. He wants to know he wants everyone to know what he is about to speak of or, or write of. And then he almost sounds like the, the Apostle Paul where he says, peace be multiplied to you. The, the New American Standard translates it much like we would expect uh, Paul to say, may your peace abound. And he said it seemed good to him. It's, it was... It was my pleasure to show you the signs and wonders, the miracles that the Most High God has done. But don't forget those last two words, for me. Nebuchadnezzar wants everyone to know what God has done for him, specifically for him. One writer says that, this is either the only chapter in the Bible written by a new believer or for those who think that Nebuchadnezzar actually didn't become a, a worshiper of, of Yahweh, a, a monotheist, but that he kept his other gods, then it's the only chapter written by a non-believer. When we get through the, the end of chapter 4, you can... You can make your determination. Will Nebuchadnezzar be gather, gathered around the table at the banquet to the Lamb or not? I guess we'll find out then. After he addresses his, his audience and, and says, Peace be unto you. He, and, and he tells them that I want to show you the miracles, the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. Then, then he praises God, verse 3, 
How great are His signs, how mighty are His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. Remember when we first met Nebuchadnezzar in in chapter 1? We read where God had given King Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Nebuchadnezzar had then taken many vessels out of the house of, of God, out of the temple in Jerusalem, and taken them back to Babylon and put them in the house of his God. Now it seems Nebuchadnezzar has has learned, he's going to learn who the one true God really is. Verse 4. So verse 1, and one 2, and 3 are the end. After the events that Nebuchadnezzar then begins to describe in, in verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its dream. It's kind of a familiar situation. Chapter 2, we had uh, learned of a previous dream that Nebuchadnezzar uh, had, had had maybe a recurring dream where he saw this, uh, this, this great figure with a, a head of gold and then arms and chest of silver down, going down to bronze and then iron and then iron and, and clay. Years later, Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. We're not sure of the exact timing of this. Nebuchadnezzar became king in 605 B.C. and he, he died around 562 B.C. So he was king for about 43 years. The events of, of this chapter seemed to, to be about eight years. So uh, historians say that there was a, a time frame between about 682 and 575 after uh, Nebuchadnezzar had had conquered Egypt in 588 and then then destroyed Jerusalem in 586 that he, that he had a, a, a seven or eight year uh, span where there, he had basically no military activity that the historians can find in any of the of the writings uh, that have been discovered so probably later in his reign as king, he, he has this dream. And he, he starts off by saying uh, what his current state was. He was at ease. So you think he's not, not fighting any, any, anyone, any battles, not worried about any, anything, and he's prospering. He's, he's at ease, he's, he's flourishing, he's content. <clears throat> flourishing the word there is is gives a connotation of like a green plant uh, 
a little bit of foreshadowing of, of what's going to happen. He's, he's like a, a plant that's, that's fully green, much like our trees and grass right now in, in the late part of spring, even though it's fixing to be 100 degrees. Um, where everything is, is lush and green, and that's where Nebuchadnezzar is, both as an individual, but also uh, the, the nation of, of Babylonia, that, that things are prospering. Everything is going well. Kind of makes you wonder... If things are going well, should I start worrying? No, don't read that into it. So everything's going well for Nebuchadnezzar, and then he has this dream that makes him afraid. He's, he's terrified. The, the New American Standard says that it kept alarming me. So he had this dream, you know, maybe woke up startled in the middle of the night, and he's, he's, he's terrified. But then as he ponders it, he, con he, he continues to be afraid. It, he can't shake it. And we're going to see in real soon why he can't shake it. But he, he can't get this out of his head. So what does he do? Well, you know from the last time, he's going to call in the wise men, the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, astrologers, all, all of his wise men, um, well, save one. He's, he's going to leave him to the last. But he brings in all these, these, these guys who have supposedly been to the school, taken the course, know how to interpret dreams, and so he can get to the bottom of it. Perhaps, not to get too far ahead, but perhaps... He knows kind of what the meaning is because we're going to see that it's partially given to him there later in verse 17. Maybe he's a little embarrassed to ask Daniel to come in right away because he has a feeling he knows where this is going. But he brings in those same magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, astrologers, seers, and, and the like, and he tells them the dream. This time he tells them. Remember chapter 2? He didn't tell them. Maybe he knows he's got a he, he's got a uh, a whole card. He's got Daniel in his back pocket in case these guys can't do it. I'm not going to waste my time by asking them to tell me the dream because I know they can't tell me the dream anyhow. So he tells them the dream, and lo and behold, big surprise, they can't tell him the dream. Verse eight. At last, Daniel came in before me, he whose name was Belteshazzar after the name of my God, in whom is the spirit of the gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the, of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions for you. Tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. So finally, after these others can't interpret the dream, Nebuchadnezzar calls for Daniel to come in. Notice there in chapter 8, he, he, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is telling this story. First he calls him Daniel. God is my judge. 
Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is, is my judge. Nebuchadnezzar calls him that first. But then he kind of reminds people. He's, he's writing this, telling this to all the peoples, nations, languages, that they might know the signs and wonders of the Most High God. So he, he tells them Daniel's Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, meaning, probably meaning Bel protect his life. So Daniel was given a Babylonian name in honor of Nebuchadnezzar's gods back in chapter 1 when the, when the chief of the eunuchs took the four um, Israelites as well as others and put them in the training of the king. He was given the name Belteshazzar. So, so Nebuchadnezzar is, is, is kind of clarifying who this is to both the, the Jewish readers who know Daniel, probably still call him Daniel, but also the, those in the, in the kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom. This is Belteshazzar who's been elevated to high in my kingdom. And I know that the spirits, he's, he's writing, um, you know, in the past tense, in his current state, the spirit of the holy gods, he's at the time still very much a polytheistic, has many, many gods, Marduk and, and Baal and just any god he could, he could think of. And he calls him the chief of the magicians. He doesn't call him prophet. He calls him the chief of the magicians because he knows there's no mystery that's too difficult. So he asks him to, to give me the interpretations. And then verse 10, he begins to relate to Daniel this dream, the, the events of the, of the dream. Verse 10, the visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with an iron with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the fields let him be wet with the dew of heaven let his portion be with the beasts in the in the grass of the earth let his mind be changed from a man's and let his and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over the sentence is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules. 
the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, Belteshazzar, give me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Nebuchadnezzar has the dream, calls in the wise men to give him the interpretation. They can't do it. Finally, Daniel arrives and Nebuchadnezzar tells him the dream. This, this tree that is, that is flourishing, much like Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he's probably getting an idea of what's, what this tree is about. It's strong, just like Nebuchadnezzar. It's, it's, king, it's beautiful, its leaves are abundant. The beasts of the field find shade, the birds live in its branches, all flesh is fed from it. He, as he's looking at this tree, this, this watcher, a, a holy one, a messenger, comes down, comes into the scene in his dream and says, chop down the tree, lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit, let the birds flee, the beasts flee, but leave its stump. And then right there in the middle of verse 15, notice how the pronoun changes. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his be portion. Changes from it, describing the tree, to him. A him. Who is he talking about? A him. Let his mind be changed from a man. A tree doesn't have a mind of a man. Let a beast's mind be given to him. Let seven periods of time pass over him. And then in verse 17, we find the, the, the meaning or the purpose. He said, This sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end. Some translations say, In order that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This was the dream that, that Nebuchadnezzar had. None of the wise men could, could interpret it. But Nebuchadnezzar knows that, that, that Daniel, Belteshazzar, is able to interpret it. You think that he's he's probably nervous when when the angel, the watcher, tells him this is this decision is in order that the living that everyone might know that the most high, meaning the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob rules over all kingdoms of men and gives to, to whom he wills and sets up even the lowliest of, of, of men. Nebuchadnezzar has been, should have been learning this lesson, this theology, for quite some time now. If he's been king 30 years and he, he has witnessed 
undoubtedly Daniel active in in his work probably even knows the account of of Daniel Hananiah Mishael Azariah when they first came to to Babylon and were put in the school and and their resolve not to uh, to blemish themselves or defile themselves by eating the king's food and then God giving them the learning and skill and uh, were, were there uh, way above all of the other youths that were in the school even to the degree of the of the veteran Chaldeans and magicians certainly he he knows of Daniel after the dream he had in in chapter 2 and the interpretation that that Daniel gave and the testimony that Daniel gave that it's it's the God of heaven who has given Nebuchadnezzar this interpretation certainly Nebuchadnezzar learned something when he decided to take it upon himself that rather than just have a an image of 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 with a golden head that he would just prolong his kingdom by making a a 90 foot tall statue of himself set it up on the plain and and bring all the peoples and nations and languages together to worship it when when those three same uh, Jewish young men Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down to it, were thrown in the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar himself sat there and watched not three men walk around in the fire that had killed his strongest soldiers, but four. And that he had even proclaimed that, that blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who had sent his angel to deliver his servants. But apparently Nebuchadnezzar is a, a slow learner. God gives him another dream. And then he tells him at the end of the dream by his messenger, the watcher, the angel, that the sentence is decreed, the decision by the word of the Holy One in order that the living might know that the Most High rules among, among men. He sets up whom He will. He even sets up the lowest of men. Verse 18. No, we read that one. Verse 19. After Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel the dream, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream of the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven and is visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field 
found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O King, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, a tender in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with among the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree from the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over till you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by, by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. After Nebuchadnezzar told Daniel his dream, we get the account from seemed like Nebuchadnezzar of Daniel's response. Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel the dream. He knows Daniel can interpret the dream. And yet ESV says Daniel was dismayed for a while. His thoughts alarmed him. Daniel is stunned. He's he's He's, he's shocked. It's as if Daniel's interpretation, Daniel's hearing the dream, terrifies him as much as it terrified Nebuchadnezzar when he had the dream. The NIV says that his thoughts just terrified him. The New American Standard says if the thoughts alarmed him. He couldn't speak for a while. He, he, he was totally quiet. And Nebuchadnezzar has to, to prompt him to tell him the interpretation. It's as if he's saying, it's okay, Daniel, just tell me. I want to know, just tell me. And so Daniel begins by saying, I wish this dream, or my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and the interpretation for your enemies. But Daniel knows that it's that that's not the case. Dr. Walford says that Daniel, being a man of prayer, had undoubtedly prayed for Nebuchadnezzar for many years and eagerly awaited some evidence of God working in his heart. 
and that while the experience of chapter 4 was not what Daniel anticipated, the outcome was exactly what he hoped for, what he had been praying for. Daniel being placed by God in a high position under Nebuchadnezzar as an exile, as a captive, still had a, a compassion and concern for Nebuchadnezzar. And after the pause, he said, I wish this was for those who hate you for your enemies. And then he goes on and he, he basically recounts the, the dream, kind of, kind of summarizes it. The tree you saw was strong and, and tall. It filled the earth and it was beneficial for, for everyone, for all beasts and fields. And then he says, the tree is you. You've gone great. You've, you, O king, have grown great and strong and mighty. Your dominion reaches the ends of the earth. But since you saw this watcher, this holy one, come down saying, chop down the tree but leave the stump of its roots with a band of iron and bronze protecting it and that let him be wet with dew. The kingdom's going to be temporarily removed from you and you're going to be driven outside of the city. You're going to, be, you're going to live like a wild beast in the fields. You're going to eat grass like a like an ox. Your hair's going to grow. Your fingernails are going to grow like the claws of a of an eagle. Until seven periods of time pass by, till you know the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. But then Daniel even goes farther, farther, farther than just telling Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of the dream. He goes as they... As the, the saying is, he, he goes from preaching to meddling. But he says, Let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that perhaps there will be a lengthening of your prosperity. After Daniel got over the the, the frightened nature of the dream and its interpretation and he told Nebuchadnezzar these things were going to happen to you. He, he pleads with Nebuchadnezzar 
to break off from his sins, to practice righteousness, the righteousness that, that Daniel has learned from the Hebrew Scriptures and worshiping the one true God and to break off from his iniquities and show mercy to the oppressed. Nebuchadnezzar has built this great city on, on the backs of, of others, of enslaved and, and captive people. But Daniel also knows that God is, is merciful if Nebuchadnezzar repents. He says, perhaps there might be a lengthening of your days, of your prosperity. What do, we, what do we see here? Daniel tells him this is a decree of the Almighty God, the Most High God. This is going to happen. He wants you to know that He sets up rulers. He deposes rulers. He sets up kingdoms. He deposes kingdoms. God is sovereign and in control. But yet, Nebuchadnezzar, if you repent, God will forgive you. Within the same account, within the same story, we have, on the one hand, the sovereignty of God, and on the other hand, the responsibility of each person to either believe it or not believe it. To receive Christ as their Savior or not receive Christ as their Savior. Okay, you can see that we're already pretty much out of time, so we're not going to get into those two arguments. Maybe next week, but probably not. There's, there's, more, there's more coming. But what can we glean just from this first, maybe, maybe three-quarters or or two-thirds of, of, of the chapter. Certainly, the, the sovereignty of God, the, the, the main theme of the book of Daniel. We also see man's responsibility. What kind of meaning would this have to the Jews in exile who are reading Daniel's accounts before they return? Would it give them hope to know that even this king is subject to God? Maybe in, in, our, in our studies we haven't really uh, delved quite into just what kind of a despot and bad guy Nebuchadnezzar really was. Those Jewish captives would have, would have known firsthand. And yet God loved even him. Reminiscent of a first century Jew who was the number one enemy of the church, Saul of Tarsus. We'll finish the chapter next week, Lord willing, but as we get a chance to read it and ponder, think about what kind of contemporary significance there is. Daniel says, you're the tree. This is going to happen. But 
God's merciful. Any of this applicable to current events, such as the COVID-19 epidemic, pandemic? What about the protests? God sets up rulers and nations and God deposes rulers and nations. Ponder, what does this... What is God trying to show me as an individual? What's God trying to show our church, our denomination, our state, our, our, our nation? That God is still in control. Have we left Him? Have we become prideful in what we've built up, whether it's an individual, my house, my place, my job, my career? We look around and not to give away too much of the next part, but look around and say, Oh, great Babylon, look what I've built. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. And God, that You give us many chances to repent and to turn back to You. God, just show us our sin as individuals, as a nation, as a church body, as a denomination. That Your Holy Spirit might just convict us of where we have become prideful and arrogant and boastful and taken away the glory from You for how You've blessed us and the things You've done in our life. God, just give us insight as we ponder these things and, and, and show us how we can apply them to our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.